Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Movies, and I'm Jason Connell. On the show today, I'm joined by special guest, Brian Beasley. Ooh, special guest. I love it. Good to see you, Jason. <laughs> you too, Brian. We are back, my friend, doing another Movie Connections episode, and I'm super excited you join me on this journey. I'm super excited to be here. We had lunch in LA not a, a few weeks ago. And well, you did. We hadn't seen each other for a few years. <laughs> you instantly were like, do you know the connection between Jackie Brown and Out of Sight? And I was like, Michael Keaton, you're like, you're doing this pod with me and I'm yeah, all in. You passed the test. <laughs> And I got super excited because I had rewatched Jackie Brown pretty recently during the lockdown, but I hadn't seen it on site in a while. And right. I love, love that movie. Total, you can just see why everyone's going to be a movie star. George yep. Clooney and J-Lo. I mean, the chemistry between the two of them is extraordinarily palpable. And yes, I'm just excited to talk about Michael Keaton. <laughs> the best Batman. <laughs> As am I. Well, you jumped the gun and I like it. So we, we are definitely talking about Jackie Brown, 1997 and Out of Sight, 1998. And this is Movie Connections. We kind of, on Let's Talk Movies, I like to do like things in like threes, not even pairs, threes. So last time I had you on, we did Risky Business, of course, remember? Yep. And what was the other movie? And The Color of Money. Color Scorsese's of Money. Masterpiece. And unlike today, where we're talking about an actor who portrayed a character in two movies by different directors, in that one, we talked about Tom Cruise and Bruce A. Young, because they were sharing scenes in both of those movies. So any way that has some sort of weird parallel, I like to explore it. And today is different than that episode, because today is two movies by legendary directors, I should say, Quentin Tarantino, Steven Soderbergh. Both movies were based on an Elmore Leonard novel which is another tie-in, of course, and Michael Keaton plays the same character in each film. And when I saw Out of Sight, I was thinking, wait, is he playing the same guy? Like, I, I caught it right away, but then I just thought, do you see that that often? What well, turns out, you really don't see this very often no, in movies. No, unless it's the Marvel Universe it, well, uh, okay. or DC. The superheroes, they've kind of Great overdone point. it, maybe, because Great of the TV point. show bleed and stuff like that. But I actually did not catch this the first time I saw it. I definitely saw Jackie Brown in the movie theater. Yep. I didn't see I Out of I. Sight later until it was on, most likely, DVD, VHS. I don't know. Okay, okay. And I think I must have had like some kind of a nerdy film conversation at some point down the line. Someone's like, hey, did you know... Oh, I'm sure you did. You went in while you filmed school. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it popped up. But it definitely was something that stuck with me. And then doing the research on this, I found one or two that I thought we can mention at the, on the back end that were kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've got a comp I want to bring into play that's also in a Soderbergh film that I thought was interesting when I saw that movie in the theater. And it came out in 99. But I'll save that to the end. So this is more of a fast, down and dirty backstory on each movie. But we'll start with Jackie Brown. Came out first. Yes. So we'll jump in 1997. And let me just say, as fondly as you speak of Out of Sight, which I also really love, I feel that way about Jackie Brown and always have. Some people are like, hey, what's your favorite Tarantino movie? And there was a spell where I would have said Jackie Brown's my favorite. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably taking the nod. Of course, I could rotate those all day long. He's got so many great movies. It's really hard does. for me to pin one down. As soon as I put Reservoir Dogs on again, that's my favorite. 100%. So I can't choose that. But as far as Jackie Brown, the synopsis is a flight attendant with a criminal past gets nabbed by the ATF for smuggling under pressure to become an informant against the drug dealer she works for. 
She must find a way to secure her future without getting killed. So great background. That, that sets the stage for Jackie Brown, I would say. Of course, directed by Quentin Tarantino, written by Quentin Tarantino, screenplay credit, Elmore Leonard Rest in peace. We lost him in 2013 at the age of 87. He wrote the novel, and which was called Rum Punch. Now, the cast, I'll quickly go through this as well. Pam Greer's Jackie Brown, Sam L. Jackson's Ordell Robbie, Robert Forster, rest in peace, incredible actor. Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated for this role, yep. Best Supporting Actor. We lost him in 2019 at the age of 78. He plays Max Cherry, of course. Bridget Fonda plays Melanie, the surfer chick. And uh, Robert De Niro, who's incredible in everything, but he plays this so well. Louis Gara. And then Michael Keaton plays Ray Nicolette. And there's many more. The ATF agent. ATF agent. Now, I read, and you probably read this as well, Brian, that John Travolta was the first choice to play this role. Now, him and QT have this great connection because it goes back to, of course, Pulp Fiction. And that would have been an interesting take. It would have been. You know, he probably could have done it just as good a job, I'm sure. It would have been fine. I thought Michael Peaton did a great job. I actually didn't read that. I, the, the one thing I did read was, I guess, Quentin said somewhere that Michael Keaton kept trying to talk him out of hiring him, <laughs> which I think is a common thing that Michael Keaton does, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want me to play Birdman. You don't. You don't yeah. Want you me don't, to I don't want to be Batman. Me, Batman. Yeah. Batman. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Even better. Batman. I mentioned Birdman because of the accolades he got, but yes, Batman. He didn't want to do that. He did two of them, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. He was Batman twice. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I love Michael Keaton. And let's go from most recent to backwards. I mean, the founder, I can watch that movie every day. He plays Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. So good. Spotlight, which won Best Picture. He's so good. And of course, Birdman, Oscar nominated for Best Actor. Pacific Heights, when he really pivots and starts to play the darker character. That's a great little thriller movie. Johnny Dangerously for comedy. Mr. Mom for comedy. And then Night Shift, Ron Howard's first movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to mentioned the Batman's what you just brought up. So, and he has been around and what a pivot in his career. I mean, I know that Jim Carrey kind of did that, but he could probably still do comedy. Once Keaton switched over, it's like, that was it. He was a serious actor. Yeah. I remember he was in a movie called Clean and Sober. Clean and Sober. Yeah. I guess he did comedy after that because multiplicity, but yeah, Clean and Sober. I mean, he was probably one of the top actors in Hollywood for a stretch in the 80s. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mr. Mom will always have a special place. Always. Just as how old I was when I saw it and how funny I thought he was. And he's still, even in, not so much an outside, but in this one, he has, there's one scene where he gets to have like a little of that Michael Keaton back and forth kind of humor. It's very light in in Jackie Brown, obviously, (laughs) because he has to be a bit of a serious person, but and I think he does that with a lot, even a lot of his serious roles. I think there's yep. moments where he can kind of bring levity to the seriousness of the stories. Yeah, I think so. And he plays this role great. And so to set the stage again, ATF agent, Ray Nicolette. Brian, he rides a motorcycle. He's got yep. the helmet. We never see the motorcycle, but we see the helmet. The helmet. Leather got, jacket. He wears the black leather jacket all the time. Of course, he has the sunglasses with a strap, almost like he's a sailor, but he's always on his bike. So we know. <laughs> And then I love him and his partner, played by Michael Bowen, who plays Mark Dargis, who you also recognize from. Yeah, he's LAPD, so it's good cop, bad cop, or good cop, or bad cop, good ATF agent, whatever it is. They do a very good job. Now, you may recognize Michael Bowen from 
Kill Bill Volume One. He played Buck. That's right. He's the Memorable nurse. Role. The nurse. Yeah. Gosh, the rapist nurse. They're total rapists. <laughs> they're great in these scenes, and they're really giving Jackie the business, and they play on her, you know, vulnerabilities. And although I'd say the whole time Jackie's outsmarting them. Oh, a hundred percent. Keaton's first line. When he walks up after Officer Dargis is like kind of yeah. asking Jackie Brown a bunch of questions is, can I help out? Like he just kind yeah. of appears, can I help out? Yeah, I'm like who are like, you? I'm just yeah. walking by and I'm like, oh, she of course instantly knows he's law enforcement and asks to see his badge. But it sets him up perfectly because he, it's total good cop, bad cop. Like they're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. And he brings that Michael Keaton charm. It's why he's cast, obviously. Yeah, because he can do that perfectly. He's there to kind of win her over. But Jason, you are so right. As you watch the movie, especially after you see how everything goes down, it's she's the one playing them. Absolutely. She's so good at this. And I really didn't know much about Pam Grier before I saw this movie. I learned after her background and how Quentin Tarantino was like such a fan of her work in the, not Mario Van Peebles, but his father, Melvin Van Peebles. But so she obviously huge actress, but she's so good in this role and her and Max Cherry working together to come up with this perfect scheme. Yeah. She out cops these guys. So basically Ray bust Jackie and then they work with her to get Ordell because they don't have her on much. They want to go after someone who's selling guns. He's a much bigger thug and she's just the linchpin to them. She's the money mule, basically. She's the money mule, mm-hmm. yes. But Ray takes a shine to her, Brian. 100%. Ray likes Jackie more than just wants to work with her, but they're at that dinner one scene. Which is like a date. Tell. It feels like a it's date. A, it's, yeah, it's like a date. It, it was very strange. Let me ask you a question before we move too far yeah, past it. But like, so they arrest her at the airport. She's not saying anything. While Officer Dargis is kind of like questioning her at the police station, Keaton is counting the money. Yes. And then he looks into the plants? bottom of the bag. Yes. I, even when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, he planted those drugs because they're picking her up for having over $10,000 bringing yeah, 10, She has like 50, she has 50 grand in, right? And uh, they knew the amount they immediately. Knew. Yeah. Because, they and, and the off. tell is that when they're yeah. arresting her, Michael Keaton doesn't ever look at the money. And when the, yeah. when they say it looks like 50 grand, he's like, yep, looks like 50 grand to me. And she picks up on that, which is also, if you go back, She's so much smarter than you think she is. She really is. She wasn't even looking at Michael Keaton's character, and she knew that he wasn't looking at the money. It's the perfect Elmore Leonard novel where there's so many layers of people playing everyone. But I totally thought he planted the drugs. Did you? What did you think? I thought initially he did. And then after rewatches, it's like, yeah, but she... They later tell yeah, that, that, that it was... And they tell yeah, you yeah. that it was it, it was planted in there by someone else and it was just there. But the way they shot it definitely makes you yeah. think it. Because he's looking in the bag and then pulls it out like classic. Yeah. He, you know, what is setup. this? Yeah. yeah. Hey, and then she's <laughs> he's like, waving what? It. <laughs> oh, yeah. I initially thought that. But yeah, once I only learned it from what they revealed. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And they don't, again, to the credit of Quentin writing this, it's like a piece of dialogue that's thrown away in a much later scene of like, oh yeah, the arms dealer threw it in there for Melanie. You know, it's right. not even exactly. like, but it's important because the drugs are what take it from what should yeah, be like a, a six month stay in jail to you might be going to jail for six or seven years. Now she can work for them. Or they yeah. can and that's her. why you think they planted it at the beginning. So, However, when you get to know his character, Ray, he would never, you never. know, he's just, he is above board that way, but he's not the best and brightest. 
I'll say that. Well, which doesn't say a lot about ATF agents. I'm sure they didn't <laughs> appreciate this role. It's like, yeah, he's getting outwitted by her constantly. And she's so good at it. But it is what it is. There's an aspect, and I wrote this down, that the bravado of the cops is their downfall. Yeah. When she pitches Ordell, the same old Jackson character, of how mm -hmm. she can work with him and secretly bring in all of his money, and it's only yep. going to cost him 10 grand, and he'll get his half million. She goes back to the police, right? And she's like, yep. I'm willing to work with them. them this idea. I yeah. know Ordell. They're out of their minds excited. Of course, yeah. that's the scene that we get to see Keaton, yep. like you said, walking down the hall and he's got his motorcycle jacket. Oh, yeah. He's doing the Michael Keaton walk where his head's moving all <laughs> over the place and he's like taking yeah. everything in. And the third thing, it's the helmet, the jacket. And the third thing between both these movies is the gum. He's always oh, got yes. gum in his mouth. Yes, that is a character unto itself. The yeah. gum, he's, he's chewing the gum. Well, and you bring up a good point about her. And she says something to them about Ordell. She says, he wants to believe me. Yes. And I feel the same about, about these them. guys. Because they're, they they're want so... To, everybody wants her to believe her because she can help all of them. Meanwhile, yes. she's helping She's herself. playing them. There's a great little moment between the two scenes. The first one is... She asks to smoke and they're in yes. the and he goes, yep. no, no. And then when she comes back and asks <laughs> to help them, she goes, can I smoke? And she goes, of course. Yeah, and it's just like, on. she knows she's got him. She knows That's that it. she's got him on the hook and it's great. That's exactly true. Yeah. He was like, okay, no problem this time. Well, so again, we don't need to break down the movie per se. It's like Keaton's role. And he's in this movie, we should point a out, lot. a lot more yep. than he's in Out of Sight. Out of yep. Sight he's a real character. more of a cameo. Yep. He is a real character. In fact, I like him coming back throughout the movie. It gives it that kind of that beautiful pace and structure because you're checking in with Ordell. You're seeing what he's got going on, him and Lewis and Melanie. Then you catch up with Max Cherry, who is an incredible character in this movie. In fact, I would have loved to see, and if this is a different time, there probably would have been a Max Cherry spinoff. Yeah. Because it's such a, a good character. Or a prequel. Yeah. And that's still on the table, I folks. So, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's such a cool thing to see Great his life too. and his office and his, just the whole thing, how, how he works. And then, of course, Jackie Brown is phenomenal. It's great. Now, I also love that Ray Bryan has a pager. And he uses it, <laughs> which really sets the stage for the times. I mean, did you ever did. have a pager, Brian? I did briefly. When I first moved out here, I was a runner for Universal Studios. And so yes. pre-cell phones, they had to page us to come pick up beep, 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 videotape, beep, beep. pick up dailies. <laughs> yeah. I also, and I was very, I wasn't early to the pager thing, but we were early to the cell phone thing because they bought us yes. cell phones as soon yes. as they came. Well, the Nokia, like the one that became like what everyone had in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. That'd be a late nineties. I, I think I got my first cell phone, 98, 99, but I love this one time in the movie, we get a tight shot of the pager. It's actually Jackie Brown's pager because right. she's got one too. And it's July 2nd, 321 PM. Please call, which is PLS call all caps, <laughs> Ray Nicolette shortened. It's just N-I-C-O-L-E-T at 310-915-9302. Oh, oh, wow. They didn't do 555 wow. on there, Brian. Did they you call it? Did you call it again? <laughs> no, but let's call it now live. <laughs> I'd love is this Ray? Answer. It's Ray, Ray? People man, keep calling hey. me, asking if Ray's here. Uh, I couldn't believe I saw that on screen. I freaked out. That's hilarious. So funny. Well, Ray is inevitably tricked by Jackie. And near the end. So at the end, her plan comes to fruition. It's a perfect plan. Of course, it's a great novel. I haven't read it, but I know his work from the movies. And of course, it's, you know, they set it up and they knock it down and everything kind of goes their way. And Ray winds up 
blowing away Ordell in Max Cherry's yeah. office. He's used to the point that he's the murder weapon, honestly. Because they got to the kill him because yeah. Ordell knows too much. And, yeah. and now her story is open and shut and everything checked out. Like they found Melanie with some of the bills. Now, she didn't know Melanie was going to get killed. Right. She just kind of took these marked bills and put them in their hands. And then, of course, everyone gets killed. <laughs> I mean, Lewis dies. Melanie dies. They have the money. And then, of course, Ordell takes the money and he's got the money on him. Now, I'm not sure why he brought off 40 grand to Max Cherry's office because it was on him. But whatever. He had it on him. Sure. Didn't want to leave it at the house, I guess. But it all works out. I mean, it's perfect. Now... Shifting away from Keaton for a second and talking about the movie, I really wanted to see Max just give up the life and go and just go with Jackie. And, yeah. just, and you know what? He could have, because we still don't know. It's left to you know our own imagination, would you say? Yeah. There's an aspect of they're set in their ways. This is a story about yes. older characters. I mean, they're not that older. Yep. I think she's supposed to be in her late 40s and he's in his mid 50s. But she's trying to get out of her life. He's not trying to get... He talked about it like, you know, when he got his, when he did his hair, right? Like he talked yeah, about exactly. like, he's willing to take chances, but it was a small chance to make him feel better about himself. Yeah. He knows that he also works with these petty criminals constantly. While he definitely has feelings for her. bonds. Yeah. <laughs> while he definitely has feelings for her, I think he can kind of see that we're going to go somewhere and blow through this money pretty quickly. And then I don't have my business anymore. Right, There's a right. practical element to him. I mean, she's always lived in this world of crime, even though I wouldn't say she's really a criminal. You know, they talk a little bit about her past, about her ex-husband and him forcing yeah. her to do things. So she's using the money to get out. He doesn't need to get out of anything. Yeah. He deserves a partner, though, as does she. So if it's not together, they definitely had chemistry. The they moment did. she walks out of the jail and the look, and you, you pointed it out right there. It is a movie about middle-aged people, and that was part of the beauty of this movie. Yeah. Like, hey, look at these guys. You might call them over the hill in some regards, oh, but yes. at the same time, fascinating yeah. characters, yeah. just incredible characters. I'm so glad that Quentin Tarantino did this movie. And just quickly on the age thing, I noticed a flaw in this movie. Maybe you did as well. But Max Cherry mentions he's 53 years old. Which, okay. Which is funny. And to me, that's like, I'm not too far from that now. Oh, but I look at Max Cherry and I think, <laughs> he's so much older than me, though. But whatever. Hey, no, no, I'm not disrespecting. Jason, every, I looked up how old Pam Greer was when she made this movie, and she was 48. <laughs> She's my age. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, this movie's about me. What happened to that one? That's Real so quick funny. before we move on to Out of Sight, I do yeah. want to mention, I think the best scene, Michael Keaton's best scene is yeah. before the switch or the, yeah. the heist, if you want to call it, goes down. He has to count the money and mark it. Oh, and God, so good. They are in. He's the, dotting it. it. Yeah. yeah. Go on. He's dotting it. Stage. And they're Jackie Brown and Nicoletta are in a car. And it's a, right before she's about to go do the big heist. And she asks him, she goes, have you ever thought about dipping in here? And at first we get to really learn, this is how we know he is a good, good guy. Cop. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he may at the beginning have been playing her, but I also feel like, especially since we've already seen the dinner scene, the, the date scene, if you want to call it, his walls have come down and he is trusting her. And, you know, his great line. And he basically walks through like what would have to happen. I'd take a hundred. I'd have to give you a hundred or maybe we could take more. Nobody knows right. how much money's in here, but it's not a point of view shared by the ATF, which is ba basically back to the book. And yep. I was like, why did she ask him that? And I feel because what if he'd said yes, that would have thrown a massive wrench into the whole. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
So she obviously knew she knows he's a he's boy square. scout. Yeah, he's, and he's yeah. not going to, right? Nope. But it's a brilliant misdirect. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. throwing it ask on. This, yes. Because he's already looking at her, wondering at one point in time. Yes. So she just throws it out there like, you know, you know, what if? So I'm not thinking that either. It is a great misdirect. And they bonded even more in they that did. moment. They did. You know? They had like a little moment. But here's something, and maybe we could use this as a transition to get out of sight. Okay. Well, no, I have to finish something. Oh, okay, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, save your transition. Yeah, we can come back to it. I said a flaw, and I didn't mean to neglect this. The ID that Max Cherry shows Jackie Brown when she asked for his ID says he was born in 1948. Now, there's a reference in the movie about it being 1995, which would have made Max Cherry 47, not 53. Uh-huh. So, small thing. Maybe he's lying about be, his age, too. Maybe he's, he's going the wrong way, though. But he's yeah, why would, he, why would he add six years? Anyway, so that's a small thing. And quickly, I have two little tie-ins, personal tie-ins with actors in this movie. It's just, I got to bring it up. Who played Winston? What was the name? Oh, Tony yeah. Uh, Lister Tony Jr. Lister Jr. He died, unfortunately, rest in peace. He died in 2020 at the young age of 62. One day I was in Beverly Hills walking across the street, and there he was, Mr. Lister, in his SUV, and I kind of nodded. So and I always remember him from Friday, you <laughs> oh, know, because totally. that was a much bigger role the, for the me. The president the, from Fifth Element. Yeah, he's he's like, like, a total oh that guy. He's he is. He's like, oh, there he is. And so there's that moment. Now, a bigger connection. I got to meet... Amy Graham, and that's Heather Graham's sister. And I, when I met Heather oh, Graham, Amy was with her. I, I was didn't in New know York. That. I ran into Heather. I was like, "You're Heather Graham," and we had this like 15 minute conversation. And she's like, "Hey, come over to the table and meet my brother and my sister." <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like having an out of body experience. She was asking me about my. I just finished Strictly Background. I was at the festival circuit, and I'm talking to her about like boogie nights. And she's like, "No, no, I want to hear about your documentary about movie extras." I'm thinking. What? And so I was on a, I had a date coming and she was about to show up and Heather and Amy watched on my iPhone, the trailer for Strictly Background in this restaurant. I'll never That's forget. That's awesome. It. They were so gracious and sweet. Well, Amy plays Amy in the movie, different spelling, but she plays the Billingsley sales girl. Yep. So I did not know that they there were you go. related. Yeah, they are related. Did, and I did have she a do anything else? I didn't even know. Yeah, she pops up. She popped in lots of things. Now she's directing. Okay. So she's had a pretty great career of her own. That's Just awesome. Just want to give her a shout out. So, all right, buddy. I want to say Ray was great in this movie. He helped Jackie really flourish. And I'm glad it was him in the end and not Travolta. So good on you, yeah, Michael. Yeah, I agree. So in Out of Sight, he's more of a cameo. He's... Yes. He's in one scene, basically, yep. but he's talked about prior yes. to that scene, which is very important, kind yep. of laying more of his character. But going back to the scene of them in the car where Jackie asks him if he wants to take the money and run with her, and he says no, I find it fascinating that we get a whole different layer of the onion in Out of Sight when we come to yep. find out that J-Lo's character... Cisco, what's the character's first name? Karen, Karen Cisco. Also, such great character names yeah, in these great names. In these Elmore Leonard moot books, <laughs> Karen Cisco is sleeping with Ray, who is now with the FBI. He's been promoted. I don't know if that was a promotion. Yeah, he's been promoted yeah, to the FBI. I don't know what. Yeah. But he's married. Yes, not to the JLo character. No, and her dad is busting her balls, and she will. He will bust mm-hmm. his balls later. About that fact. And I find that so fascinating about the Ray Nicolette character that when it comes to his job, there is no gray areas. It's black and white, but he's married and he's cheating on his wife with 
Well, they are separated, but living. Okay. Together. Well, he's so what? That is that that's means. what she. That's what the Karen Cisco. That's what she says said. to her father. He's <laughs> yeah. sep- They're separated, and the dad immediately asks, "Is he still living with her?" And yeah. she says, "Yes." So, yeah. a very classic married man thing to say to yeah. his mistress: "I'm separated, but I'm not really." So, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I thought that was a great, in his personal life, and they're all complicated characters. And I thought that was great that we got this extra layer to this character who's barely in out of sight. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Marshall, who plays Karen's father, who's played by Dennis Farina, rest in peace. We lost him in 2013 at 69. Oh, he's incredible. But he also so he calls him cowboy cop. Yeah, a cowboy cop. too much yep. and cheats on his wife. Yep, he's a cowboy cop. Yep. So let's set the stage for Out of Sight. You know, it. Give it the respect it needs, much <laughs> like uh, Jackie Brown. Out of Sight came out in 1998. And the synopsis is a career bank robber breaks out of jail and shares a moment of mutual attraction with a U.S. marshal he has kidnapped. Now that says it all right there. It's great setup. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh, written by Scott Frank, screenplay, and again, Elmore Leonard's novel. Now, I don't know the name of this novel like I did. Right it's punch. just Out of Sight. Okay, perfect. Out of sight. Quickly on the cast, George Clooney plays Jack Foley. Incredible. Jennifer Lopez plays Karen Sisko, as you just said. Ving Rhames. Love Ving Rhames. So good. He plays Buddy Bragg. Now, of course, Ving Rhames is in Pulp Fiction, so yep. we're charging some connections there. over here. Yep. Steve Zahn, always loved him as well, plays Glenn Michaels. Don Cheadle, incredible. Maurice Miller. Catherine Keener plays Adele. And of course, Dennis Farina, who I just mentioned. Albert Brooks, one of my all-time faves, so not just actor, but a writer-director as well, plays Richard Ripley, and Luez Guzman plays Chino, also fantastic. And of course, there's Michael Keaton as Ray Nicolette, uncredited. 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 Yes. That is correct. Yeah, didn't I was get like, paid wait either. a second. Didn't get paid either. Didn't want to get paid. He did it as a favor. Well, he tried to talk Soderbergh out of it, most likely. <laughs> I, can't I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't be in this. So there's that. Now, it was Oscar nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Editing. Didn't win either, but so our purpose is, again, to explore Ray Nicolette. As we've just talked about, it is more of a cameo. It does mean something. And he has a presence. Now, I kept wanting him to be in it more. Brian, I was sure. like, oh, man, bring him back. But they do mention him a few more times. So his, uh, his character is alive and well. But he did switch over from ATF to FBI. But he also wears the FBI shirt when we see him, <laughs> which is, and I mean, it's like yeah. FBI. It is it's classic. crazy. And her father... Of course, Dennis Farina, Marshall, ask if he uh, has an undercover shirt as well that he wears on stakeouts, <laughs> which was awesome. And what was Ray's reaction? I mean, to it's that? pretty great because it's pure Keaton, that awkwardness. Like he's, yeah. you see him kind of take that in and he instantly knows, okay, this, her dad's going <laughs> to fuck with me like this because they're yeah. meeting for the first time. They both say, oh, I've heard a lot about you, you know, obviously yeah. from the JLo character. He just answers a very dry, like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Nope, nope. Nope. I don't. Actually, I wouldn't. I don't have that. <laughs> so but you're cute. right. You're right, though. He's wearing the he's wearing the uh, motorcycle jacket. He's got the motorcycle helmet and yeah, he's got the gun. That. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know instantly that it's the same character from Jackie Brown. If you were to watch these movies back to back, there's no mistaking that it's the same person. Right. And you probably shot him back to back. They come out in you know, subsequent they did. years. They did. Bam, bam. He's the same guy. Had the same wardrobe. And now we know he lived in California and Jackie Brown. He is now in Florida. So maybe that was part of the FBI 
FBI switch. And then I started to speculate what made him switch. It's not like well, he they, didn't get his she, guy. In, in the, in, when she has the scene with her dad, when, when he yep. gives her the, the gun for her birthday, she says that he got promoted to the FBI. Well, and I wasn't sure, again, if, if that's a promotion or maybe. I guess you know, I don't know FBI how it works because it's, it's, they're complete, two different, complete different agencies. But, yeah. So. yeah, I'd be like, if he was in the DEA, well, I, I don't know if the, if the parallel is in a lateral move. Sure. I guess it's promotion. But did it all happen because of him getting his man in Jackie Brown? Oh, was wow. it because of Ordell? I never I thought you know, of that. Because he came out on top. Yeah, I mean, he, Jackie no, got he her totally thing, did. but he, you know, he celebrated yeah. in his- I mean, uh, he basically put a stop to a whole organized crime, like gun running yep. crime. So it, I didn't exactly. I didn't think about that, Jason. You're totally right. That would have been a feather in his cap for sure. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he always had his eyes on moving, moving agencies. But for the story, he basically, he's FBI so that they can basically put him trying to track down the George Clooney character exactly. and all the, all the characters that escaped. He's just on the task force. Right. Yeah. And he is dating Karen, and we don't know where that relationship started. It could have started in when he joined the Bureau, and then it's like, who knows? I, I right. mean, I would have loved to have any more scenes or, or dialogue or exposition that we could have gotten, but unless, I don't I don't have out of sight on Blu-ray. I wonder if there's any deleted scenes or anything. Uh, oh, there might have been. I don't sure. know. I mean, I feel like Soderbergh pitched it to Keaton, like, hey, come play this character again. Yeah. Tarantino was 100% on board with it. He pushed it, actually. And I think that they always knew it was a one and done kind of runner kind of thing. That was going to be it. Yeah, that's probably true. And I know I mentioned Samuel L. Jackson played Ordell. He does have a cameo yeah. in this movie, which also, we can quickly talk also about. Also uncredited and unpaid, <laughs> but amazing. Oh, I didn't amazing. know it was unpaid. Yeah, so, they oh, both. Yeah. Both are unpaid. If you've seen the movie, it's at the very end and J-Lo sets it up. Yep. So she's hauling off her man to jail. And then here comes Hajira Henry. And he knows how to escape prisons is his specialty, right. much mm -hmm. like bank robbing is Jack Foley's. And they have a long ride to prison and he's there for a reason. So he's going to get the lowdown, which, which means, is she really going to be with a fugitive in the future? Is that where we're going with this? Well, so I'm glad you bring this up because this, the whole crux of this movie is you have a law enforcement agent falling mm -hmm. in love with an on the run bank robber, yep. right? Yep. And this movie does not work if you don't have a George Clooney and a Jennifer Lopez yep. and that the chemistry is popping off the screen. Absolutely. So, and matter of fact, the premise is brought under pressure by all the other characters. Ving Rhames is constantly like, what are you doing? Her father is constantly <laughs> yeah. like, what yeah. are you doing? I mean, the best scene in the movie is when they meet up at the hotel and they finally hook up. Oh, and so it's, it's probably the reason why it got nominated for best editing, because it's a love scene that's spliced into the scene of them discussing how this will work and the whole timeout thing that they come up with together. But it's so, it's such the chemistry scene. is so good. It's, it's what makes this movie yeah. so good. And they hinted at that earlier with the dream sequence that was yes. uh, foiled because you're like this, I see it. And then she dreamt it up, her walking in on him in a bath. Yes. And then wakes and what's up because her father's there. And this is Soderbergh being brilliant. Like they both, like him and Tarantino oh, yeah. are, is that the entire time you're watching it, the first time you see it, you think it's his dream, but it's hers. It's yep. hers. 
it's easy to think that a cop's going to fall in love with JLo. I mean, a criminal is going to fall in love with JLo. That's an yeah. easy, easy buy. It's hard to see someone like the JLo character, the Karen Sisko, who is very independent, can hold her own. She's constantly yeah. hitting her head against the glass ceiling at the FBI. So how do you make this very strong female character fall in love with a criminal? Well, you cast George Clooney yeah, <laughs> at the right. height of his charm. Yeah. But to go back to our one and only scene with Ray Liette. Nicolette. Nicolette. Sorry, Ray Nicolette. Why don't you set up the scene and we can get into it? Because there's a lot of what makes this movie work and some right. of that like side characters questioning the premise of yeah. the movie in subtext in that scene that we can get into. Yeah, and it's true. It's a good point. And I want to make a point about Karen, because it's easy to say, well, she must be a bad cop. She is not. Oh, She's absolutely by the not. book. She's there to bust Clooney in the beginning. She doesn't even know who he is. They're breaking out of prison. And essentially, she does have a gun on him. And her father has his own, you know, he's kind of in, what, what does he do exactly? He's more of I a, think he's, she said that he went, yeah, he wants to hire her as one of his investigators. So. Yeah, investigators. He's, he's, he's a retired so she's cop. she's growing up basically. around this. Yes. Yeah. And she's like by the book. So this also caught her out of nowhere. I mean, she's dated an FBI agent. True. Right. Who used to be an ATF. Who's but a good guy as well. he's married. Well, so he, there's, yeah, so he's that, got, yeah, there's that. There's the He's clink, not right? essentially available. Right. Right. I totally agree. So this scene is, well, we kind of bounced around the one scene with our guys what we're talking about right yeah is the scene with the fathers there too so he comes in and we recognize michael keaton you know ray nicolette coming in so you know after the joke after they break the ice with yes, the, do you yes. have a undercover t-shirt as well which is brilliant michael keaton sits down and it's the three of them at the breakfast table yep. there overlooking the ocean karen Cisco Beautiful. has a Miami. very it's a small house but it's a very nice little small house on the water and a pool the phone rings and it's our man, Jack Foley, George Clooney, mm -hmm. reaching out. And her face immediately, the dad picks it up, hands the phone to her, and he goes, do you know who this is? And she looks immediately at Michael Keaton, as in like, the guy who's hunting you is sitting three feet from me, and yeah. I'm dating him. And we instantly, she's already had the dream, so we know yeah. that she's attracted to him. She instantly is like, uh, excuses herself and walks out and has the yeah, conversation. Like, oh, hang on her allegiance shifted in that moment. Immediately. Because she yeah. had her initial reaction is to tell him. And then she, she does it and she leaves. Yeah. And then it sets up. I didn't notice this when I, and I've watched the movie a million times, but it wasn't until we had to do this deep dive that I really watched that scene between uh, yeah, Dennis Frana and Michael Keaton, yeah. because so she gets up and excuses herself. She goes out into the backyard to finish that conversation with George Clooney. And the dad starts reading a headline from a newspaper that says something yeah. to the effect of, I was sleeping with a murderer. Okay. And then it cuts to Karen. Yeah. And then we start to see the George Clooney character starts to charm the JLo character. And JLo is still being like, she tells him, she's like, I'm here with the guy who is hunting you and I can turn you in. And he basically says, you're not going to do that. And when she says why, he goes, because you're having too much fun. Mm -hmm. And so he knows that he's made an impression. She knows that he has felt that connection. We cut back to the father and Ray. And they start having this conversation about basically women having sex with criminals. And the whole thing of basically, why are these women attracted to these dangerous men? Okay. 
And basically the dad finishes reading the article and Ray Nicolette's like, yeah, I totally just busted this guy. And we, the reason we found him is because we went to his ex-girlfriend's house and he had stopped by there to have sex with her. And that's how we caught him. Yeah. And the dad's like, this is what you have to do to hook up nowadays. And Ray, you know, Ray's like, I guess so. It's, insanely good subtext to the phone call that's happening out by the pool. It's exactly what's happening. And it's playing into the fact that just human nature, that sometimes we men and women are attracted to dangerous people. And we do silly things when we're attracted to dangerous people and make maybe bad decisions. Absolutely. And I was like, who the hell knew that there was so much subtext in this little scene? I didn't even notice it. And, I would also say that Ray's probably not that fun. You know, no, he probably, no, he's no. a good guy, but he's not Clooney. He's not. No, he's married to his job. He's not married to his wife or his mistress. He's not even. Yeah, he's not even married to his wife. Exactly. He should wear a fun shirt instead of FBI. There you he go. needs all the help he can get in the fun department. You know, that even that date with Jackie Brown was more business and awkward. And yeah, I, I could see that. And she's looking for something else. And, you know, that scene in the trunk, which we cannot not talk about was just so beautiful and those two are in the trunk and then this the how the whole scene played out remember right. and it's the genesis of the whole movie the right? lighting the relationship. yeah you could yep. tell like they have no business being together but they they liked each other in that moment yeah you know it carries through the whole movie so and she's chosen her side yes I mean, she's she not telling michael keaton she comes what's back going in on. yeah she comes back in she's she's hung up the phone and we're off to the races she's going to chase him He's going to hunt for her. And, uh, you know, when they come back in, and this is why I think the scene, the subtext gets pushed away is because then there's a button on this scene when she comes back in that the dad then flips it and is like, it's almost like someone cheating on their wife and not telling their wife because he thinks it's going to hurt their feelings. uh, And yeah, yeah, he's turned this entire thing of chasing dangerous men back to the Nicolette character and and throwing it on him. And and of course, the J-Lo character, like, you know, she's like, dad. She turns into a teenager again of like, stop messing with my prom date. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's a dad. And I get 100% it. hundred percent he's a dad. I push that Little does he thing. know what his daughter's about to get into. What's interesting in, in her defense, and much like Jackie Brown, she has this interest in him. But in the end, she's still the hero. Oh, no. I mean, listen, she's chasing him. She's also, every time she sees him, shooting at him. <laughs> Yeah, shooting at him. And hit and, and eventually hitting him. So. And almost using him to lead her to the bigger score, all the yeah. guys. And she winds up getting them, succeeding. However, it was interesting that we don't see Keaton at the end. I would have loved to seen him come in the house at the end with all the other cops. Yeah, it would have been nice. Yeah, they, they could have been a nice using callback. him because the other guy, her other, her boss was phenomenal. Yeah, he was really have good. His name written down. His yeah. voice is so good. Yeah, and he tried to one up her like, "You stay here in the lobby," and then yeah. she sees Jack He's, Foley. Yeah, you can yeah, constantly it, feel how annoyed he is with her. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. But I would have liked to seen Keaton even at the end, just like, oh my god, it would have been good. To hear, I totally agree. I, it would have been nice to see him. It may have like bumped up against the uh, Samuel L. Jackson cameo that's immediately coming after this, but exactly. it could have been nice to see him show up and and him get a whiff that something's up between the two of them. You know, right. yeah, like what's going on here? Because yeah. he is a good cop. He is a good cop. He could pop up in another movie, man. Maybe he's divorced now and he's still got the bike. Who knows? Maybe he's remarried. We don't know. Him and Jackie Brown. He, he are seems on like an a character somewhere. that's going to be multiple divorces in his future. So I know we talked about something before we came on the air was the fact that had this movie not 
been made and not worked and was a hit because I remember it coming out. Yeah, it was it a wouldn't hit. have paved the way for Soderbergh's career because this was the first mainstream movie that he did. I remember back in the day he was like a, an a tour. Sex Lies and Video Sex Lies and Video Yeah, it wins Sundance and Sundance. He made like three movies or four movies in there, like Kafka, like some very yep. independent, very highly independent, yeah. only shown art houses. And so he gets this, and yeah, we don't have. We Oceans, don't have Ocean's Eleven, definitely. 11. We don't have uh, Aaron Brockovich or Traffic. Exactly. And I mean, he's, yeah. you know, winning Oscars left and right with all of his actors. It's Soderbergh today. I mean, like, it, it's amazing how this movie launched him. And it's, Out of Sight is, we can argue about who, what's your favorite Tarantino movie. And I, too, have kind of a revolving door. Out of Sight is my favorite Soderbergh movie. I love it. I'd probably still say Traffic because it, yeah. of just how it floors me. But I do love this movie. And the oceans are fun. I, no, I they totally it, are. Especially totally the first are. one, probably more than the others. And Sex Lies is really good. Yeah, Sex Lies and Videotape is amazing. But this one has, where the oceans ones are kind of like really good candy with not a lot yes. of calories. This one's got meat to it. Like there is, I oh, mean, how we just broke down a, a freaking scene that I'd never really thought about. And like how, how much subtext is in that. And plus, it, just to see all these guys. I mean, even Steven Zahn. Is Steven awesome Zahn in is incredible this, in and Don Cheadle is Don Cheadle so good, is amazing, excellent. By Everybody the way. I mentioned, Albert Brooks, all the way down the line, they're great performances. This is the turn for Albert Brooks where he yes. starts doing when he, when he starts to do these other these roles. little parts drive, like drive. Yep, one hundred percent. He starts playing a darker character. Yeah, I didn't recognize him because they have him in a bald cap for some of the movie. When he first comes on the screen, I saw you know way back in the day. I was like, wait, 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 is that Albert Brooks? Because it doesn't look like him. And then of course it is him. But even Nancy Allen makes an appearance yes. in this movie. Yes, 80s Nancy like Allen. Yes, Robocop totally right. and yep. so many movies in the 80s. That was in and the looks you know, amazing in the, in the movie, by the way. looks incredible in this movie. So, yeah, and the stakes are high in this movie, too. I mean, there's some thugs going around. People are getting killed. Yep. People are almost getting raped. I mean, just like in Jackie Brown, there is violence. Yeah, there is. And Soderbergh does a really good job. I feel like the violence in Out of Sight could have been in a different director's hands. It could have changed the movie. I mean, there's literally yeah. a scene where Steven Zahn is forced to go and murder a transvestite. Yes. And yeah. the way that it is shot, it's still it's still shot like something horrifically bad is happening here. Right. But you don't you don't come away from the first half of the movie going like I've been turned off by this. Like it, it's no. it's all about like just how despicable these characters. I mean, when Isaiah Washington's character, how about Isaiah Washington in this oh movie? A little known Isaiah Washington at the time. So I mean, when he finally meets Karen bad. Cisco, he's legitimately like, I'm going to rape you. Right. I mean, yeah. in a very casual yeah, conversation. Incredible. And she's like, no, you want to tussle? We tussled. Also showing just how tough and fearless the Karen Cisco character is in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's the devil. And Steve is on just seeing his reaction how visceral it was, how hard it was for him to go through that. You got enough of it. Like I felt sick just seeing how sick and yeah. upset he was by being around those guys. I think that scene's less than 30 seconds guys. long and it's exactly yeah. all you need to see. Absolutely. So bravo to Steven Soderbergh for an incredible film that holds up. So that's totally another thing. These movies hold up, man, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And this was a good excuse to talk about them because you don't see these parallels very often. So are these cross-throughs? And so on that point, and you already mentioned he worked for free, I read that the idea 
to have Michael Keaton reprise his character of Ray Nicolette occurred after Tarantino invited Soderbergh into the editing suite yep. of Jackie Brown to view all of Keaton's footage. Yep. Now, who knows what happened in that conversation? Like, see how good he is? You got to use him. I, I could see Tarantino <laughs> pitching it to Soderbergh. Well, Tarantino, but, I mean, he, read, he knows, so. he understands like a cinematic universe before the rest of us did with Marvel stuff like that. You're right. That's exactly what I read. That Tarantino was like, you've got to cast him. Got to do it. And Soderbergh was like, 100%. Let's, yeah. let's do this. And, you know, the other through line that I saw, which isn't mentioned in any of my research, but I do think it's a little curious that maybe this helped out because there were different studios producing these movies. Yes. The yes. rights of the books were held by different companies. And that's why this usually doesn't happen. That's why you don't have like an A-list actor like Michael Keaton reprising his roles. But... Danny DeVito, his company he, he produced on the movie. Yes. He produced out of sight. He produced Pulp Fiction a few years earlier. Yeah, that's so right. that's right. There is that we got to go to the studio and it's like, well, our executive producer has worked with both of these directors on their pivotal films. I have no idea if Danny DeVito had anything to do with this, but he was the only IMDb crossover between the two movies. That's a great. Point. And also get shorty written by... Now, I read that Miramax Films owned the rights to Ray Nicolette's character, and due to the fact that Jackie Brown went into production first, and Tarantino felt it was imperative that Miramax not charge Universal for using the character. And we also know, we all know, that Miramax is the house that Tarantino built. So he wanted something done. At least by this point in time, he'd already come out with Reservoir. He had that. He had Pulp Fiction. He had cachet at that point in time. So maybe all that at play, and it's like, hey, let's just do that. It's cool thing and then these two directors what a cool link it really is it really is a cool link so so i also read outside of that that sandra bullock almost got the part of karen cisco yeah soderbergh really liked her really liked her but he said i spent some time with Clooney and bullock and they actually did have great chemistry but it was the wrong movie. I'm sure they could do a movie together someday. Well, I threw someday in there, but not an Elmore Leonard movie. Well, as we both know, they did make a movie and it's called Gravity. Yep. Exactly. And it was a good movie. It was, it was, you but know? it's not, it's, the, it's I, no, it's not this. And Soderbergh made the right decision. Like the whole time I was rewatching this, I was like, how is JLo not a bigger movie star? I mean, she is a superstar. Don't get me wrong, but yes. like, she never did anything like this again. She did all those romantic comedies and I'm yep. sure it bought her many houses all over the world. But man, she really sunk her teeth into this character. You know, she did like 10 weeks of police training. She knows how to hold the guns. She knows the protocol. She yeah. was, it felt real. She's so good at it. And she's just, gosh, they're, they're both just so very, they're, they're really good looking people. <laughs> it's not There's hard that. to watch both of them. No, no. Was it, well, she was in Selena, which I never saw, which yeah. was more of a dramatic role. Which is I probably believe. what got her this role. Exactly. Once she did that, it's like, oh, she's got acting chops. Well, I also wanted to put this in because this, it's like a cousin to what we're talking about. But I saw this other movie by Steven Soderbergh. And I didn't mention it a minute ago because I was saving it, but it's called The Limey. Came out in 1999. Yeah, right after this. Came out right after this. I always love the movie. Karen Stamp kills it in that movie. I've seen it so many times. Peter Fonda is in it. It's a really great movie, revenge movie. A lot of the same guys are in it. Louis Guzman's in it. Many, many more. Nikki Cat. But anyway, in the limey, there's this old footage playing. Terrence Stamp is watching this old footage, or there's like a flashback, and it's footage from Poor Cow, 1967 movie, Ken Loach's directorial debut. So in the movie, the limey, you're seeing 
footage from an, another movie with Terrence Stamp used as a flashback for his character in The Limey. And I'd never seen that done before. That's cool. I thought, wow. That's cool. And in that footage, he had his baby daughter and his wife, because I think it was like personal footage, so used two oh. times. And I thought, man, leave it to Soderbergh to come up with that little angle and bring that in the movie. Because I was in the theater going, where is this footage from? Because that's obviously Stamp years yeah. prior so to find out that's it was really from cool. a movie i mean both very, these very guys cool. they're cinephiles to the end i mean oh my gosh yes they know exactly what they're doing at all times so yes any other things you want to leave us with that was such a fun exploration no i really yeah. enjoyed it michael keaton crushed it uh, going back to the two studios i'm sure you know we were like i wish we could have more scenes of them i'm sure when <laughs> they started negotiating since there was no pay yeah. for anyone <laughs> that they're like you yeah. get him for one day and one day yeah. only so you get him make, for four maybe hours. a half day yeah, <laughs> yeah. so He's make out. it work put him where you want yeah. him but make it work and that's probably why he didn't reprise himself later in the movie. And that was also in Detroit. They stuck him in, you know, Florida. Sure. So it, maybe it was just like, yeah, logistically, he's out. Yeah. That was it. We just gave him a little brief. I thought it was odd that there's no, I couldn't find anything about Michael Keaton speaking on this. You know, there's no like. Exactly. I, I thought that was a little odd that he hasn't ever, that that hasn't come up in a conversation at Yet. some junket. Yeah. We need to have him on. Let's yeah. talk about uh, it. Seriously. <laughs> and get the. It's probably like, well, it was a big deal. I just played the same character twice. No big deal. I'll never do it again. I'll yes, never do it yes, again. Yes, yes, hey, no. Would you play this again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Brian, anything else before we wrap up? Well, I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe some other fun cameos from other films that are kind of like stuck I'll out play, when you were doing yeah, research? If you have any setup? Absolutely. Well, I mean, my favorite, I actually, it's so funny because. This Michael Keaton one is pretty famous, right? And so I found some countdown where it's like the top 10 things where actors played different characters. And this one was number one. But number two were the Duke brothers from Trading Places and oh then in Coming to America. Of we're course, back, they're coming Mortimer. to America. We're, we're back. back. Mortimer. That was good. They get there on the, they're like on the they're side homeless. of the road, homeless, and they get the sack of money. The Duke oh, brothers. I thought that was moment. great. But another one, which is more recent, there's an actor named Damon Harriman. And Damon Harriman plays Charles Manson twice. He plays him in oh, Once Upon a Time yes, of, in Hollywood. Hollywood. He's fantastic. And then that. he's in David, fin in the same year, he played Charles Manson in David Fincher's Mindhunter, the second season of Mindhunter. I haven't seen that. I've seen oh, every Fincher so movie, good. but I haven't seen Mindhunter. You got to watch Mindhunter. It's freaking excellent. But I just thought that was so crazy. Like this guy got yeah. typecast as Charles Manson and played him in the same kind of thing. Like he, well, he he's played so him good in apart. Tarantino's film. Oh my gosh. He's eerie. He's so perfect in that role. That's interesting. I love the Dukes though too. I remember that one so vividly because yes. I love coming to America. John Landis directs. And of course, Trading Places. Also yeah. John Landis. So good. So good. So those so, are some, some fun little other things that I found during research. There's your uh, tie in there. He probably said, yes, let's, let's get the Dukes in here. But that's really good. Now, those are good ones. And I remember them a lot. I could use more scenes of the Dukes and coming to America, <laughs> you know, but it was just enough. It was just, just enough. enough. Just a taste of yeah. Keaton, just a taste of the Dukes. Just a taste. Well, that's really good, man. Nice job. Nice job. So without further ado, please enjoy Jackie Brown and Out of Sight. So thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to subscribe to the Let's Talk Movies podcast, as well as the Let's Talk Movies YouTube live channel. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast, send us a direct message, or post a comment on any Let's Talk Movies social media platform. We also highly recommend checking out our other podcasts and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com.